Sunday and a Wednesday to really kind of uh, encourage people to come and remind them uh, of what we're about, you know. So, um, so what I wanted to do this morning is just to kind of share with you uh, where it's coming from and what the Lord's been stirring in my heart and, and to kind of give you a, a foretaste of, of, of what is to be at least until May. I mean, I think we're going to do this until the end of May and then, uh, and then you know, whatever. Um, but basically, uh, we're changing direction a little bit. And what we've been doing is kind of taking a topic uh, and then looking at it um, for a month or for however many weeks it takes to kind of look at it and understand it. And that's cool, um, but I kind of feel like it's, it's a little bit unfruitful um, in, in the context of what we're supposed to be doing. You know, this is discipleship. And uh, the purpose of discipleship is that we would be transformed into fully devoted followers of Christ, uh, finding our place in his kingdom and his purpose, and then bearing fruit in the same. And that's, that's what we're to be about, and I kind of feel like what we've been doing hasn't been um, feeding that purpose and, and building that desire. And so, um, so basically, I, I went to the Lord, and um, you know, I don't mean to sound like super spiritual, like a Moses moment or anything, like I went up on the mountain. It wasn't really so much like that. It was more of just like, okay, uh, we stopped for, for pretty much the whole month of December doing this. And so that was a chance for me to kind of decompress a little bit and, and take a few steps back and look at the whole thing, you know. And, uh, and, and the question is, Lord, what has really changed in us or in our church or in the men of our church since we started doing this? Um, and the honest answer, at least by visible measurements, is not much. And so, you know, I said, okay, Lord, well, what, what are we supposed to do? You know, because... I feel like, you know, we're supposed to be doing this, you know, but, but if it's not bearing fruit, then why not, and what can we do different, you know? And so what the Lord led me to, basically, was Matthew chapter 28, uh, the very last section that we know as the Great Commission. And what that is, more or less, is Jesus's vision statement for the church. He thought of it, the church, he designed it and planned it. He ordained it, and, and he's the one that runs it. Colossians says that he's the head over all things to the church, you know. And so I began to look at that, and, you know, it's funny. It's three or four verses long, depending on how much of the surrounding text you want to include in its context, you know. But it says so much, and it covers so many different areas of of what the Christian life is, and, and it's such a compacted uh, um, thing, you know, that, 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 that incorporates so much of the rest of the Bible. I mean, by itself, it's very short, it's very brief, but when you bring in all of the things that it, that it touches, uh, it's actually quite huge. But in it, what we find is the context wherein every person that gets saved can find their function in the body of Christ and bear fruit for eternity. And that really is the core of what discipleship is all about. It's about discovering, okay, God, you saved me, and you made me, and you've given me gifts, and a reason for being here, so now help me to figure out what that is, and then to bear fruit in doing it. And so that's where we're going over the next months or years. It is to really take a look at, okay, how do we get from what we are right now to having a clear vision and focus of, of what we're supposed to be doing? And I'm not talking about as a church. I'm talking about as individual Christians that are members of the body of Christ at large. Matthew 28 is not the vision statement for Calvary Chapel. It's the vision statement of Jesus for the church throughout every age since the day of Pentecost and until the rapture. And when we look at that and we look to him as our head and that is our direction, we can't go wrong. We will bear fruit. We're going to, you know, he, he said that the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the church. 
Um, and, and so these are the passages, and I'll just get, I'm not, we're not going to go through them this morning, but these are the passages that the next, however long it takes, is going to revolve around. And maybe not in order or systematically, but certainly uh, it's kind of an all-inclusive package. And, and they will be this, so you can write it down. And next week I'll have, hopefully, a handout that, that kind of highlights all this stuff so that you can, you know, really exhaustively study these passages on your own. But we're going to look at Matthew 16 verses 13 through 19, which is really the first mention of the church in the Bible. When Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. But that whole passage really unlocks for us an understanding, something that previously had not been known concerning part of God's purpose in establishing the church. Uh, So we'll look at that. We're also going to look at John chapter 1, verses 35 to 42, which is when Jesus first called Peter. And the reason that's important is because it really helps us understand the building blocks of the church. The church is not a building. It's not an organization in the context of bricks and mortar. It's an organism that's organized. And that organism is made up of living stones. That's us that play a part. And we see through Jesus calling Peter what that kind of looks like for us. And so we're going to look at that in John chapter 1. Then Matthew 28, of course, the commission itself. Verses uh, um, 18 through 20. And then we're going to look at John 17, verses 1 through 26, the whole chapter. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed just prior to going to heaven. It was basically his prayer for the future church. And in that, what we get is a pep talk based upon the vision, which is the Great Commission. You know, we we hear what his heartbeat is. And in a lot of ways, I picture this as if you worked for a company. You know, I, one time in my life, I worked for a company that was organized enough to actually have some of these uh, things, you know, and, and, and there was a vision statement, you know. And, and then you had basically material supplied by the owner of the company that supported and, and, and made clear what the vision was to be about. And that's what John 17 really is, Jesus' prayer. It's kind of the heartbeat behind what he said in the Great Commission. Then we're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, which gives to us really the organizational structure and the means of accomplishing Jesus' desire for the church, how it works. And then some other passages that we'll look at are Luke 14, 26 through 35, Hearing the call, counting the cost. Uh, John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. The equipping for the call. And probably various uh, and overviewed portions of the book of Acts. Because that's really the schedule or the practicum. It's an example of how it worked out when the church first began. Um, and so those are, those are the passages, and that's the direction um, that, that we're going to go. The other thing that I think is important that, that, that kind of has to change or be adjusted is that we have to change from um, a learning environment, to, which, which in a way it will always be a learning environment. But the emphasis goes from being a learning objective to a doing and being objective. It doesn't profit to just learn things, to obtain knowledge. That it, it, you need that. You know, it's important. Otherwise, you know, why would he give it to us? But it isn't knowing that bears fruit. It's doing. You know, I think of it as uh, kinet- potential versus kinetic energy. You know, my father-in-law has a generator, and um, 
it runs, but it doesn't produce. There's something wrong with it where, you know, you can start it and the motor works fine, but when you flip it on to try to produce electricity to run something off of it, it doesn't work. And so he, you know, obviously has to repair. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are like that generator. They run. They're alive. They're saved. But there's no kinetic. In other words, what are, what are they doing? What are we doing? You know, and I think that's really the emphasis of where we need to look going forward. It's not what do we know, you know, what potential is there in what we understand, but rather what are we doing with what we know? Because if we're not doing anything, then we're not bearing fruit, and then what's the point of knowing? A generator that runs but doesn't work is pointless. So what's the challenge going forward? Here's the challenges. Number one, uh, in, in, and in context of what we're studying, is to know the vision statement of the church. Not our church, the church. I can't emphasize that enough. But to know it by root of heart. How many of you, let me just throw this out, I'm going to do this next week when we have a larger group. How many of you know the Great Commission by heart? You don't have to look it up. But right now you could tell me, you could quote those verses verbatim. The Great Commission. Can anybody do it? Just, yeah, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so you don't have to raise your hand or anything. But ask yourself. Can you do it? I mean, if you were being orientated in a new company or a new organization, that would be the first primary thing that they would give you. They would say, know this by root of heart, because this is what we're about and this is what we're to do. Do we even know it? <laughs> what it is? I mean, sure, we could, we could paraphrase it you know we all kind of understand but being that it's so compacted and so um pregnant with meaning really i mean there's three different parts there's three aspects to it do we know what they are so that's part of the challenge going forward is to be directed um with the the commission that we've been given to have that as the at the forefront of our christian view of life i'm a christian and therefore, I have a mission. What is that mission? And what's my place in it? Second of all, challenge for this section segment is to understand what the church is. Not, again, not our church, but the church. If we understand what the church is, then our church will be what it's supposed to be. Not the other way around. Our church doesn't define the church. The church defines our church. Understand? So to understand what the church is, and what it's about and to be about on every level and every function. Those two both have to do with knowledge and mindset. Number three is to discover and understand and develop your individual gifts and know your calling. The church is not a man. The church is a body. And if the church is a body, then we are the various members of that body, and that means every one of us has a part in the whole. There's no one part of the church that does it all. It's not supposed to be that way. Every part has a share in completing what it is that Jesus wants the church at large to do. So what is our call? Your gift is going to determine what part you play, and it's going to determine your calling in bearing fruit for his name. So what is our gift? That's going to be an objective of ours during these next months. To know this is what my gift or gifts are. And therefore this is my calling and how I can be used to fulfill the Great Commission. And then be able to attach our gifts to that commission so that we're effective in the use of those gifts. That's the challenge over this next time. Number four is to actively practice all three aspects of the Great Commission. I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler. You'll hear it again next week and probably many times. But the three aspects of the Great Commission are evangelism, instruction, and intimacy. Go ye therefore... And disciple, Jesus said, all nations. And then he defines baptizing them. That's evangelism. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I've commanded you. That's instruction. 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's intimacy. So the challenge for us is to actively practice, not know, but to actively be engaged personally in all three of those arenas. Everyone is called to evangelize, whether you're an evangelist or not. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was a pastor, teacher. Paul said, do the work of an evangelist. And we're all called to do that. And we all have a sphere in which we can do that. And so the challenge for us is going to be to step out and do it. Not just kinetic. I mean potential, but kinetic. Not just knowing what the gospel is, knowing what or how to evangelize, but doing it. Part two, number two is instruction. Teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. We have an influence in everyone's life that we touch. And we are either influencing them towards the kingdom, away from the kingdom, or not at all. And the call is that we influence them towards the kingdom. That our influence in people's lives is encouraging, instructing, and exhorting them to do, to observe, and live the Christian life. It's part of the commission. Teaching them to observe all things. And then part three is intimacy. Is that our relationship with the Lord, not just be a name only, and not be centered around church or Bible study or in you know, prayer times, but that we are intimate with the Lord, that we have a personal relationship with him that we're growing in our experience with him through prayer. That our time, our walk with him is becoming more consistent and more constant moment by moment, experiencing his presence. That we're growing in our own walk, becoming more holy and less worldly. That there's a cultivation of the fruit of the spirit as we abide in him. But not just to know about it or know how to do it, but actually doing it. And honestly with ourselves, maybe even making assessment and saying, am I growing? Am I going forward? What is he doing in my life? Lord, do I know you more? Is there discipline in me? Number five is to be involved in kinetic service in the church. I think it's a common feeling that people have to just want to go live on a mountain <laughs> as a Christian, <laughs> walk with God, live a simple life, and never interact with anyone else. <laughs> I know I feel like that sometimes. <laughs> or just move somewhere where I don't know anyone, be a Christian, raise my family, and not go to church anymore. <laughs> because sometimes the church is nuts crazy <laughs> but the bible doesn't give us that liberty the bible says that we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together the bible says that we have a part to play in the body and that every part is necessary for the full function of the whole and so we aren't allowed to do that we're part of a church and no matter what our calling is no matter what our gift is we're all called to serve in some capacity in the church within the church even if maybe the primary thrust of what we do or what our passion is, is outside the church. As I see it, half the gifts that God gives are for within the church to build up the body, and half the gifts are for outside the church to reach the lost or to reach the poor or whatever it is. But every one of us that are called have a part to play within the church as well. And so a challenge is not just to know that, but a challenge is for us, each of us, to be actively involved in some area of kinetic service in the church. Doing something, not just sitting on the sidelines. But understanding, especially as the men of this church, that the church is going to follow our lead. And if we're not serving in some capacity, in some way, then that's the example that's being seen and will be followed. So the challenge is for us to be involved. Number six is to measure and assess our level of commitment to his cause. Where are we really at? To ask the hard question, 
Where am I at with the Lord? When he looks at my life, what does he see? Through the lens of his vision, his desire, what he wants to see happen in the world, what he wants to see happen in a life, through his measurement of outreach, evangelism, inreach, service, upreach, intimacy, what does he see? Where am I at? To honestly be able to assess that and then to take it up a few levels. Say, okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. I'm lukewarm or ice cold or definitely disengaged. How can I, Lord, honestly, realistically, how can I take it up a few levels? What can I do? What can I cut out of my life, perhaps, that's taking up room that you're supposed to rightfully possess? What time can I sacrifice? What service can I do or give? So that's a challenge for us going forward is measure with honesty our level of commitment to his cause and take it up a few levels. And then number seven, the last one, is to embrace the overwhelmingness of it. Embrace the overwhelmingness of it. When we first... Um, before we first bought our house. It was one half of a degree above Section 8 <laughs> housing. <laughs> the walls were spray painted. The floors were disgusting. The place smelled. It was falling apart. Structurally, it was sound, but everything else was shot. And my wife wanted to buy it because it had the salient features that she was attracted to, windows facing the east and the west, you know, certain whatever. <laughs> and I saw it and said, eh. <laughs> because I knew what had to be done. And, you know, and it was just overwhelming, just the, the, the prospect of what, was gonna, what it was going to take to make it even livable. It was just overwhelming. And my brother, who's not, not a Christian, you know, kind of the Jethro, if you would, in this instance, came in and looked at it just because he was curious. And he said to me, he said, Nick, you could do this. He said, anybody else was going to cost, you know, X amount of dollars. But he says, you, you have what it takes to do this, and you could turn this into something good. And what it took for me was that encouragement to embrace the overwhelmingness of it. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> to do it and it's still not you know as I go home to a frozen pipe this morning <laughs> you know? but it, in embracing the overwhelmingness it caused me to not just push it to the side and say well that's just too much I don't want to undertake that in my life right now but it caused me to begin to think okay well now now if I'm actually thinking about this what is it going to take so where is it at and what's it going to take to bring it to the next level and every one of us, the Bible says that we are his house. And we need some fixing up. Sometimes it's overwhelming. For someone who is not um, gifted or feels necessarily equipped in the arena of evangelism, sometimes to embrace that aspect of our calling is overwhelming. I, I don't, it's so uncomfortable to talk to someone who's lost or an unsafe family member about kingdom things. It's definitely harder when you're with another Christian or in a group of Christians to bring the conversation and the flow direction of that time towards the things of God. It's harder to do that than it is to just talk about work, weather, or peripheral things. Sometimes it's overwhelming in that sense. But a disciple embraces the overwhelmingness of it and says, what's the purpose of my life? And I'm not going to let the fact that it's going to cost me something, that there's sacrifice involved, discourage me from being and doing what I'm called to be and called to do. So those are the challenges for us going forward, not the knowing, but the doing. So that's the context through which we're going to look at what the church is and what part we play in it. It's not for us to know 
things about the church. It's for us to discover our part in it and then to engage fully in what that is and to be discipled. And then, as we embrace that for ourselves, to then reproduce it in others as well. Cast that vision towards those in our lives, others in the church, in our homes, from house to house, wherever we are, in our jobs, in our workplaces, in whatever sphere we have. See the vision of what Jesus called us to do and be, and then to do it. Not as part of our lives, but as our whole lives. Let the other things in our lives be the parts of our lives. And let Jesus be our life. That's the goal. And so that's where we go from here, Lord willing. And I would covet your prayers for me, (laughs) for the men in this church, and that the Lord would truly have his way shaping and directing us and making us fruitful in his name. So that's where we're going. Any questions? <laughs> Any thoughts? Mark? That's right. <laughs> okay. So you can use that indoors? Okay. But what what does ventilate mean? I mean, I know what ventilate, but... Yeah, yeah. What if there's not? Then you can't, because my garage doesn't really ventilate. I can have an open window, but I don't know if that's going to do it, because anyway, talk about that later. Great. Yes. It is. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. Say it again. Yes. yes and we and like you know it isn't us you know what i mean it's his it's his working in us but we work together with him you know in that regard of of allowing him access to to those areas of our heart or or stepping out in faith or in obedience you know exactly yeah and the point isn't to become works oriented or you know that's not the point you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know the real thing is that ministry happens in individuals. You know what I mean? Um, teaching is a feeding, you know what I mean? But it's like the re- real ministry is one-on-one, you know? And, uh, you know, I think this is, th- this the, 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 the group has to knit together, you know what I mean? And, uh, and we'll see how God does that. 
Yes. I, I hope that many of um, many of the men here uh, will will have a home group at some point, or in some context have a have a, a, a way to be able to, to to do the same thing in in another group of people in another setting, you know, um, as the Lord leads and, and does that, you know, and, and affords it. But you know, I think that we have to be repro reproducers and and in that have that mindset you know, of, of reproducing, of constantly seeking to uh, sow and cultivate, you know. And that's how the church has, that's what Jesus did with, with his disciples. He invested in them and prepared them, and then he sent them. And then that's what they did. They invested and they prepared and they sent. And that's how the church has gone from generation to generation, and that's how it will continue. You know, that's how the, that's, that is the Great Commission. You know, it's, it's winning. It's instructing and building up and then sending, you know, people the same, you know. And so it's, that's for us. We have to continually be, be built up and abiding and then also then be investing in others and raising up and sending, you know. And, and that's all of us. And that's where the fruit will be born, you know. Um, we'll get into all this, but I, I really believe that when um, when a Christian discovers their gifts, what their gifts are from God, and everybody has a gift from God, and then they discover the outlet to, to use those gifts and, and have a place to do it, that there is such joy <laughs> in it. You know, and I think that a lot of the stagnant Christianity that exists is because those gifts have not been either discovered or connected with the, the outlet. Yeah, to some degree, you know. Um, what do you mean? Well, that's what I think, you know, um, I, I know for me, like from the moment I got saved, I was a teacher. Before I knew what a teacher was, I was a teacher because I, I would learn something and I couldn't wait to just tell. I needed to find a Christian to tell, you know. I, it was like I had to. It was like the steam release. I had to, like, find some, someone. So when I would go to church, whoever I'd sit next to, I'd just be like, get in a conversation, but I'd be waiting for the chance to just be like, hey, you know, I found this, I saw this thing I've never seen before. I can't believe this is here. You know what I mean? Some of it was to check. Am I crazy for seeing this? You know, whatever. You've probably heard this a thousand times, you know, but I was doing it before I even knew what it was. Then a pastor wasn't a, you know, head pastor of a church, but just, you know, a youth pastor came up to me and said, hey, you know what? You seem like you would be uh, a teacher, that God's called you to be a teacher. How would you like to teach a group of 12 and 13 year olds, um, through a book of a Bible. And, and, and I started shaking with excitement. And, and here's why. It was because gift matched opportunity. You know what I mean? You know, 
when asked, how would you like to run a soundboard? I'd be like, okay. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and that's what happens in a church a lot of times. It's like, all right, we need people to uh, vacuum floors and, you know, do that. And, and those are good things, important things, you know, but people aren't like, oh, yippee. You know, I can't wait to serve God, you know. But when the gift matches the opportunity, then there's excitement. There was a guy um, in a church I went to, his name was Joe Barber. And he just had a gift of service, loved to serve, had just a stable disposition, real nice guy. And when, when he became an usher, it was gift matching opportunity. He thrived in it. He just understood it. He knew how to serve people. He knew how to make the church the, the optimal facility for, you know, no distractions and, and to do it graciously. And it just was like, how does he know how to do this so well? And it was just gift matching opportunity, you know. And I believe every Christian has that gift and God has appointed that opportunity, you know, and it's matching. And I think that's my job and it becomes our job, you know, to shepherd in that sense. That's what shepherding is. You know, it's finding gift, opportunity, go, you know, and then supporting, you know. So as we can do that, as we understand what it is that we're to do, what these gifts are, who's got them, do it. I think that you're going to see fruit, you know. Yes. Yeah, well, that's 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 number um, that's number five and number seven. Number five is the kinetic, not <laughs> be involved in the kinetic service, and number seven is embrace the overwhelmingness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes it's as it's even before that. It's even. My life is so complex right now. Can I take on something else? You know? But the problem there is to reevaluate priorities and in terms of like, wait, I belong to God. Yes. That's and that's what it is. Like what are we here for? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's what when we read John 17, Jesus prayer, you know, you know, we're going to see that they may be with me where I am. Like, that's where we're headed. You know what I mean? That's our destiny. So everything that we live now should be pointing towards that destiny. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you, you know. Well, Vinny, what were you going to say?
Oh, I get it. Compartmentalize. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's pray. Why don't we pray together and we'll have an open time. There's not very many of us, so as the Lord leads you, you want to pray. We won't take hours here, just a few minutes, and uh, ask God to give us some direction. Mm. Heavenly Father, we... Um, we just open our hearts to you right now, Lord. We pray that you would stir us in prayer. Um, we begin, we pray for the men of our church, Lord. We pray that this group would thrive um, and that you would just let there be a, vi a vision birth through the scriptures that we'll search over these next weeks and months, Lord, that it would be more than just Saturday mornings and more than um, just an aspect, but Lord, that you would help these concepts to pervade every area of our thinking and our lives and our church. We pray, Father, that you would just move upon us by your spirit, that you would help us to be devoted to you, Lord, and, and to love you with all of our heart, mind, and strength. So, so, Father, consecrate our hearts, Lord. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and move us, uh, move us deeply, Lord, we pray.
Father, we pray that you would open doors for us, Lord, to serve. Um, I, I think, Lord, there must be so much ministry in, in Poughkeepsie and in this area, Lord, that we're not touching. So many opportunities, Lord, that would be open before us. And um, we feel so unequipped and unaware, Lord, of, of what they are. And so we just pray, Father, that, that through, through the power and leading of your Holy Spirit, you would open doors for us. We ask that you would raise up men in this church, Lord, that would have uh, a holy vision and holy calling, that there would be um, powerful gifts, Lord, that could be used and employed. We pray that you'd give people the gift of leadership um, and the gifts of, of uh, discernment and wisdom and faith and holiness, Lord. And, and we just pray, Father, that you would uh, um, allow us to, to make an impact here. We pray, Lord, that you would raise up um, people from our church that would be called to, to, to the full-time ministry, Lord, to expand the kingdom, and that you would just put your hand upon those lives, Lord, and, and we pray that there would just be a consecration. We pray that the men of this church would be holy, Lord, uh, that we wouldn't give in to the temptations of the world, that we wouldn't give in to the compromise uh, to sin or to justify sin in some way. We pray that you would keep us uh, on the straight path, Lord, that we wouldn't uh, erode the doctrines of the faith, Lord, and become um, ineffective, Lord, in what we are. And we pray, Father, that we'd be willing to embrace persecution or um, difficulty and hardship, Lord, for your name. We just pray that you would just do all these things in us, Father, and, and, and help us, Lord, to, um, to stay the course.
Father, we pray that we could abide in your presence today, that you'd fill us with hope and joy. Help us to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Help us to die to ourselves and pick up our cross. Help us to order our time and our decisions. And Lord, we pray that you would guide all that we do. We pray, Father, that we would sense your delight over us and that we could walk in your love, Lord. We pray that you would um, use us today, Father. Use us in our children's lives and and in whatever place we go, whatever we do, Lord, help us to uh, bring you glory and, uh, and to, to walk in your light. We just thank you, Father. Um, I pray for anything that we'll hear today, teachings that we'll hear on the radio or, um, or otherwise, Lord. We pray that you would just inspire us through them, Father. Uh, any scripture that we read, Father, we pray that you would speak to us through it. The songs we sing in our heart, Lord, may we just make melody and sing in joy to you. We just thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Bless this time. Bless our day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <sighs> Gates of hell will not prevail against it. <laughs> Where are you going? Down in Florida? Oh, nice. It's, it's insane. I can't believe it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think it's I think it's in the heating pipe. Um, there's I have, there's a row that runs along the exterior of the house. Um, I think that's where it is. I put a I put a, a little space heater underneath it where it is when I left this morning. I'm hoping that's what it is. But do you know boilers? That's what I did. Yeah. So I'm hoping, and I'm hoping it doesn't burst. You know, I don't think it did. I just bled it, so if there was any in mine, there isn't any more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's what the same thing. Minus <laughs> ten. <laughs> yeah, same with me. Same with me. That's great. Well, have a nice trip. Yeah, that'll be nice. She live by the water. Does she live near the ocean? That's great. What does she do there? Nice. Okay. Nice. Nice. Sounds like a good gig. <laughs> That's great. Well, enjoy. Yeah. So no service tonight. That's that's new. That's new. That's it. Well, it's, it's, you know, the reason is. Evangelastic. Evangelastically. <laughs> we had over 102 people. What, oh, yeah. Thank <laughs> you.